Hey everyone, before we get started, I wanted to jump in here and just let you know that our guest, Benjamin Frederick, uh, was kind enough to offer us his discount for his cycling team that he's sponsored by, the Or Not Clothing Bike Team. Um, if you want to go to ornotbike.com, you can use the coupon code BENFRED20 at checkout to get 20% off uh, any order of Or Not Clothing. Again, that's ornotbike.com. The code is BENFRED20 uh, to get 20% off uh, any order of cycling clothing. It will, this will also be in the show notes. You'll see it, I'm sure. <laughs> Enjoy the show. Welcome to Passion Fruits, a passion project for passionate people. I'm your poppy seed, Daniel. And I'm your African-horned cucumber, Adam. <laughs> See, no alliteration this time, Daniel. Thank aren't goodness. You, aren't you proud of me? I am. Anyways, Daniel. God, no, See, I did the... Not, could you I, not start it that way? I did the derisive anyways, which is a I signature know. for this podcast. And we hadn't even uh, gone gotten very far. <laughs> so, so Daniel, uh, we are Passion Fruits Podcast. And mm-hmm. what, what do we do on this podcast, Daniel? Well, Adam, we walk a lonely road, the only one that we have ever known. (laughs) Don't know where it goes, but it's only us and we walk alone. Passion Fruits Podcast. Passion Fruits. Passion Fruits Podcast. (laughs) Thank you, everybody, and good night. Wow. So at what point do we owe Green Day royalties for the use oh, of, their, of their melody? See, the little like flair I put, the little like my own thing that I put on at the end, that saves us from actually owing them any money. Nice. Well done. Well done. That was a parody. <laughs> <laughs> You're, we're, Anyways, we're Adam. We're basically the weird owls of the podcast world. Yes. Right? <laughs> Wait, does Green Day actually have to pay you now because it was such a good rendition? Probably. Yes. Thank you. Because like Thank people you. are going to listen to that cover and be like, oh, I wonder what the original is. And they're going to go to Spotify <laughs> and look up Green Day. And then the yeah. likes are just going to come in and the subs. And then all of a sudden they're like, thank you for resurrecting our career for the third time. <laughs> the likes and the subs, man. That's what it's all about. And, I wish and we like, could get likes and subs. In Billy Joe Armstrong's bio, he's going to like dedicate the dedicate the end to to the to you both, Daniel and I. It's going to be great. Do you think Billy Joe Armstrong is the son of Billy Joel and Lance Armstrong? Yes, definitely. <laughs> cool. With, without a doubt. <laughs> So could he just play uh, guitar for like hours and hours and hours and hours and hours? Yeah, exactly. And then he would stop to oxygenate his blood. And then right, that's not funny on a lot of levels Re- related to Billy Joe Armstrong and Lance Armstrong. Oh, no. All right. Uh, well, Daniel, do you want to introduce our guests today? Sure. Uh, so yes, on this podcast, we discuss many things we're passionate about, many things our guests are passionate about. And today we have a very special guest, longtime friend of the podcast. Uh, would you like to introduce yourself, guest? Yes, I am Benjamin, the Kawano Melin. Yes! How's that? Well done. 
Much better than anything Adam has ever done. Oh, come on. <laughs> related to fruit. Related to fruit on this podcast. <laughs> Maybe just life in general, but let you know we won't no. have to go down that no, rabbit no, hole no. this time. <laughs> I've seen the way you shake your butt. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, today we are talking, or today, tonight, this evening, um, in this instance, we are talking to Ben. And is Ben, is it Ben or Benjamin? Which would you prefer? It depends on how much in trouble I am. Okay. If I'm really in trouble, it's Benjamin, but normally it's just Ben. Okay. We'll we'll call you Ben for now. And then when we get into the really spicy stuff, we may refer to you as Benjamin. Nice. Um, <laughs> so Ben is a professional cyclist. Uh, he is a... Uh, you know, we, we were going through this and kind of the, the pre the pre show, the green room, if you will, of the podcast, mm-hmm. uh, Ben is a friend of mine from, you know, way, way back when. So Ben is a professional cyclist currently residing in Boulder, Colorado, and we are going to talk to Ben. He's had a, a story career thus far, a fantastic, uh, and very unique life story about how he got into cycling and kind of how that, what, what that's meant for him. So all you cycling nerds, uh, tune in and we will, uh, we'll get going. And all you non-cycling nerds tune out. (laughs) Yeah. No, tune in. There's going to be a lot of life lessons involved too. There we go. Yes. Probably. That's, that's what we usually do on this podcast. Life lessons. (laughs) So Ben, (laughs) if you, if you want to give us a, a quick overview of what you're doing now, like which team you ride for, um, like if you have any sponsors you want to, uh, you, you want to thank or, or that, that, that you want to promote what, who, who has been Frederick now? And then we'll dive back in to how Ben became the Ben that he is now. All right. Well, uh, I currently ride for the, uh, or not Santa Cruz cyclocross team or off-road team. Uh, it's a group of, I think I'm the fifth person on it. Um, and we're based out of the foothills region of Colorado 2020 has a big old asterisk on it so I had just joined the team after uh after national championships in 2019 and then the world kind of exploded so we haven't really done a ton of uh things that you would call racing um but yeah so we're the the quick hit list of the sponsors obviously or not is the the main title sponsor they supply our clothing make us look good um Santa Cruz give, helps us out with the uh, the super awesome Stigmata bikes, which we use both for gravel racing and cyclocross. IRC is on board for tires. SRAM provides the electronic shifting and uh, sweet protection with the helmets and glasses. Stages with the computer and the data. And I think that's it. Yes, that's it. That's 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 a wonderful list thus far. That that is that is not an insignificant list of of very good sponsors within this industry. So oh, congr- how can I forget forget this? Uh, Richie Logic has also stayed. They're they're a big oh, yeah. through line in my career, and they've stayed on board with the uh, with the componentry oh, and just awesome. and then uh, just helping a brother out whenever. Nice. Yeah. The <laughs> The the Richie guys are they're they're a good crew. I have mm-hmm. many Richie components on my bicycle. I have a, I have a Richie Swiss cross of, uh, mm-hmm. of of which you know Ben that has served me very dutifully for many mm-hmm. years. Not too many 
not too many slash any uh, race wins or podiums, but lots of fun. <laughs> one of the, I, one of the think, last cyclocross races that Adam did, he ran into a log and bent his frame. I did do that. So, <laughs> I will, I will give a, give a shout to, to Richie. They hooked a brother up with a nice crash replacement and they were like, they were like, holy cow, how did you do that? And I was like, you've got me. <laughs> I have no, yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, make sure you, uh, fix this next time around when i'm asking for a frame a custom yeah, right. frame. Uh-huh. <laughs> but yeah so ben you're you're based out of the foothills of colorado beautiful colorado i hope that you and your teammates have been safe with all the all the fires lately um and that i guess yeah like you said earlier in the episode you just had snow there as well so crazy crazy weather out there um, it really is yeah <laughs> yeah and i i do want to get into kind of when you were, how did you first get into bikes? How were, you know, were you, uh, were you racing when you were younger? You know, what, what, is, what does that beginning of Ben Frederick's cycling career look like? Um, the very beginning is a 26 inch Walmart Roadmaster mountain bike that we just ripped around the neighborhood on. Um, and then my dad, when he was in college was into bikes enough that he had both a road bike and a mountain bike and would go mountain biking. Um, and so there was a little bit of that, but he like never raced, um, or anything. And then there was a group of friends, uh, who kind of got all into bikes kind of at the same time. Um, Mm -hmm. and there was a local park that had just gotten some trails in, um, and so we, we kind of started riding together and I was riding my dad's 26 inch rigid, like giant something or other. And they, they upgraded their bikes. And then, um, going into college, my plan was to like use my graduation money for a computer. And then my parents surprised me with one. And so I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to go ahead and get myself a, a mountain bike. Why not? Um, and so the Jameis Dakar, XLT five inch back when all mountain bike was a category. Um, <laughs> that was, that was my first like nice quote unquote, nice bike. I use that kind of ironically enough to like commute around. There was this, there was this video, uh, new world disorder five, I think that my brother found from a friend and, um, it was a mountain bike video and they had a, a bunch of dudes like riding, full suspension, big mountain bikes in like urban terrain. And I thought that was cool. And so I used my mountain bike to like rip around campus and like ride downstairs and stuff. And so that's kind of how like uh, getting into bikes happened. I actually remember you, I remember there was a video, I think it was on Facebook of you like doing uh, jumps, like, maybe not completely gapping the staircase, but maybe it was on one of the hills coming down through James campus. And oh, I remember yeah. seeing you rip down there. I was like, holy crap, Vince got to kill himself. And then you, you, uh, <laughs> you, you were very successful in your, in your urban mountain biking. I remember that, uh, that those Jameses were, were nice. Those Dakars pedaled quite nicely. And they, I think there was a, like a, a pretty standard, like four bar linkage on that rear suspension too. Like that, that was, that was a nice bike. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, yeah. So. Um, I'm reminiscent about it. I am yeah. <laughs> much more than I am, and I was the one who had the bike. <laughs> yeah, Adam's really like in love with that, Jameis that you had. <laughs> 
I'm a bike nerd. It's okay. Don't worry we about know. it. So then like throughout college, like were you racing in college? Were you just kind of tootling around JMU? Uh, where, where, where did that take you? Well, uh, so in, in college, I was a music major. Um, and so Ooh. it was a nice dichotomy of like the monastic music major practicing, playing six to eight hours a day with wanting just to rip my mountain bike. And I was getting involved in like rock climbing and, and the adventure program at JMU. And um, one of the one of the TAs there was like, yeah, we should go mountain biking. And so we discovered Massanutten Mountain, which is Ooh, nice. I yeah. know it's a throwback. And uh, and what I ended up signing up for the Massanutten hoo-ha and just kind of on a whim. And it was the beginner category. I was riding in board shorts, skate <laughs> shoes, yeah. and like a tech tee with a with a snowboard like a like skateboard helmet. Um but I won. So that was you know that Pavlo like likes that. Like you win and then you get some like get a free multi-tool and you're like, cool, I should keep doing this. <laughs> and then, you know, someone goes, Hey, you probably pedal better if you had clipped the shoes. I'm like, what are those? And then you get those and you're like, Oh, this is, this is even better. Um, and like, thanks to my mom, like mom and dad, they gave me some decent genetics. And so, uh, <laughs> being able to pedal a bike hard, uh, suited me well for the uphill. And then, all my playing around on campus and just trying to go downhill fast um, because it was fun. And what's it's what I watched on the videos, you know, let me kind of have a little bit of success, small local success on a mountain bike. And that kind of like got me, you know, that that's when the bug bit, if you will. So I didn't, unlike a lot of, I guess like stereotypical, a lot of people who start racing when they're 14, 16 or whatever, like they're, parents raced it was it was kind of all all me it was my own thing and I didn't really start racing racing until I was like 21 22 ish Mm -hmm. so kind of a late start Hmm. that's awesome and it's it's an I love hearing those kind of like how I got into mountain biking type stories because I think everyone has a has a different story but they're all similar in the sense of like we we sign up for a race or an event and we have no idea what's going on and we almost mm-hmm. kill ourselves mm-hmm. and we come out you know either loving it or completely dreading it and like mm-hmm. i think you I always think get we, first place everybody always wins that multi-tool it's a, it's a tale as old as time everybody <laughs> always wins first place their first mountain bike race it's if, as as time. It's so <laughs> if if only <laughs> yeah i was gonna say i wish <sighs> um so ben when you were so as as you kind of progressed in your love for mountain biking when did you start racing on the road and when did you start racing cyclocross actually so the let's see when so harrisonburg virginia um is where i grew up and they have a really strong cycling scene just like love of bikes and bike advocacy and and inclusion um and so they had this local little cyclocross series and um through some friends i i thought it was interesting actually when i first so rewinding um i was mountain biking a lot and 
looking into like doing some more road biking, uh, kind of a similar thing. Like I, I, I did a race, I did well, wanted to keep doing it. Um, and so around the time when I was like watching videos about the Cervelo test team and like really starting to just fanboy hard on, on road biking, a friend was like, have you seen cyclocross? I was like, <laughs> no. And he, and he shows me this video and I'm like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> like ride your mountain bike or ride your road bike. Like why, why are we crossing them? Like that's just dumb. And then I just totally dismissed it. Um, and then with cyclocross, I think a friend of mine worked at a shop and he convinced me to get a bike. And so I got a Soma double cross DC and, oh, yeah. uh, and the, the, the color was, uh, what was it? Like gunmetal lilac, I think was the the industry term for it. We actually set it up with a one by nine um, and bar end shifter, so it was super ahead of its time. Um, And so I just did like some super small little cyclocross races locally, and it was kind of this fun thing. But it didn't really like take a hold of me um, initially. Like I did it and it was fun and it was like right, right in my sweet spot of like my athletic strengths, I guess. Like that hour long is in the cycling world. I, I kind of relate that to the, like around the 800 or mile distance on the track. Like mm-hmm. it's, you have to have some endurance, but you also got to go really hard the whole time. Um, so I really um, like that part. Sorry, Ben, do you mind if I cut in real quick? Sure. Um, it's your podcast. We- I sorry. I don't know why I asked permission. I should just cut in on everybody (laughs) Uh with because we've had an episode about mountain biking uh, episode two for whoever (laughs) needs to go back and listen to it. Um, Can you do and we briefly maybe mentioned cyclocross for like a minute. Could you describe cyclocross for people who may not be aware because, you know, we've really drawn in the cycling nerds and the non-cycling nerds into this (laughs) podcast. We bring everybody together. And we have, Um, you know, millions upon millions of listeners. So invariably there's going to be someone out there that doesn't know what cyclocross is. So for the one person who doesn't know, (laughs) um, cyclocross is a, in the sport of cycling, there are different subsets. And so there's road biking, which you would consider, like think about people riding in the Tour de France. And then there's mountain biking where you think of people riding on mountains and off road. And then what I like to describe it as is, is road biking and mountain biking go to Vegas for the weekend. And then nine months later, (laughs) nine months later, you have cyclocross. (laughs) Wow. The, the strange love child of road biking and, uh, and mountain biking. Um, And so it's, you can think of it, the terrain that we race cyclocross on is similar to like cross country running. So it's in like parks or, uh, or venues similar to that. So there's on and off road elements to it. Um, If there's a, a steep climb um, that's, that might be too steep to ride up, you could run up it. Um, And it's all about being like moving you and your bike the most efficient. Oh, I like the description that you had of the cross country courses. Um, yeah. When I try and describe cyclocross to people, I first start, I'm like, you're obviously a car nerd. So you know what rally cross is, right? And then they yeah. look at me funny. 
And then I say, it's like cross country racing. And then they look at me funny again. And then I just leave, but (laughs) (laughs) I turn around and go home. Uh, But yeah, cross country is like a cross country on a road bike is a very good way to describe it. I I describe it as you you ride around in circles in a grass field and try and make each other puke. I mean, that's also like super accurate. And uh, (laughs) it it looks, it looks like a road bike, but we have a little bit knobbier tires in there, a little bit of mud clearance. So like the lay person would just see you ride by on a road bike and be like, Oh, why are they riding in the grass? Um, (laughs) And it's, and it's interesting you make the allusion to, or make the comparison to like the 800 and the mile, because you, you ran track in high school and played soccer as well. Correct. Ben? I did, yeah, okay. and that was kind of your, your your the underpinnings for your athletic career. And were you this is this is going way way back? Um, were you on the team with Adam Schroeds that went to that won states one year for like the and the relay? Yep, um, that so that was that was a really awesome year because uh, I had already gotten to school for music. Um, I hadn't done anything athletic for two years because I was so focused on music, and I was like, you know what? It's two weeks into the track season. Why don't I just see if I can start running on the track team? <laughs> um, and I asked, you know, my goal was to do a fast mile and then maybe make the four by eight uh, a team. Um, and so the first eight hundred. This is for the track nerds. Uh, for the first eight hundred that I did, the time trial I did a two sixteen and about died like straight up, like laying on the side of the track. Everything hurts. Why did I decide to do this? And then over the next few months was able to uh, get faster to the point where I was on the four by eight team that uh, won states Our state or the, the track team won states for the first time in the school's history. Um, and we were runner up in the four by four and ended up going to nationals to compete. Uh, and I was able to get knocked 20 seconds off my time to do a one fifty six. So Jesus again, thanks nice. mom and dad for the, for the genetics. <laughs> You know, this is an, another tale as old as time. Adam and I, Adam and I have been there too. It's oh, just, yeah. I know, you know. It's crazy. D- it's decided crazy to run track. We all are. <laughs> decided to run track halfway through the season and, you know, just right. went to nationals. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so I, basically, ben, Ben's, ben has winning in his blood and being able to pick up something very quickly yes. related to athletics uh, <laughs> in his blood. Uh, wouldn't it be nice? <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyways, I'm just going to go downstairs, eat some cookies real quick. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, and yeah, I think that, that I wanted to bring that up, Ben, because that, that does really, it, it helps define who you are as an athlete and someone who's pretty adaptable and someone who improves pretty quickly. And I think those, you know, you, you give thanks to your mother and your father, which is, I think, duly noted, but also uh, you worked really hard at that as well. Like clearly you have the drive to, you know, you know, join the track team and then right. work on, work on that. And, and, you know, I think, not think, but, you know, cycling is a very individually motivated sport and it's very mental and you have to learn to suffer for hours and days and weeks and years on end to improve over time. And that's, I think, you know, I want to start getting into that uh, as far as your pro career and, you know, you rode for the Kelly Benefits development team, correct? Is that, that so So Mm -hmm. how, how did you make the jump from, you know, mountain biker, part-time cyclocrosser, uh, to 
joining a, 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 you know, a local pro road team, if you will. Well, so just, you know, I'm sure you guys had this exact same experience. Uh, you had, (laughs) you had some success. It's like looking in a mirror, Ben, you know, know. I had some success with, uh, with on, on the road. Um, and I was like, huh, I guess, yeah, I'm probably the next pro. So I'm just going to, you know, as a cat four decide that I'm going to go pro in this because why not? Um, and so like, I'm not the first person to say that I went from like a cat, cat five to a cat two in a season. Um, and then, you know, it was like, obviously the next step on me becoming a pro, because that's what I'm going to do, um, is to actualize this inevitability is to join a road team. Um, and so I talked to Sue Heffler, um, of Heffler performance coaching, and she got me in touch with Blair Burbert, who was my first coach. Um, and he was, he was on that Kelly benefits team and I was fortunate enough to be one of their, uh, one of their six elite riders. Um, and that just kind of opened up my whole world to like traveling to race and, and doing national level races and, and having the support to do so, which was huge. Like when I started the team, I had a, um, FDJ LaPierre, like LaPierre team edition, but it was so clapped out. I had a uh, SRAM rival rear and then a, an Altegra front derailleur because that's what just the parts that I had left that were broken. It, um, in, fairness, so it, in, in fairness, that Altegra front derailleur probably shifted better than the SRAM front rears of that era anyways. Hey, right. oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> nice. No, I was like a good burn. SRAM, so, SRAM, was, SRAM has fixed that since then by just eliminating the front derailleur on all things. So, <laughs> that's one, way to, one way to get rid of your crappy front derailleurs is just <laughs> totally get I, rid of them. I say this as I, I realize that Ben is sponsored by SRAM. I have SRAM on my cross bike and Daniel has uh, had had SRAM on, on his, on yeah. his own cross bike. So. Nice try, Ben. Nice try. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I was just going to bring up the ease that it is to switch out my uh my axis front derailleur for whenever i go from cross to gravel setups and it's it's flawless yeah well <laughs> us who don't have robot bikes can't worry about that kind of stuff so so there's there's going to be a point in the podcast where i talk about the robot bike but we will we will get there i have uh, a very specific note about my question is how do you feel about robot bikes so <laughs> i guess yeah. we can get to that later Yes, please. <laughs> bring bring it back back around. I, I got to join the Kelly Benefits road team, um, and my whole goal was just to be a professional uh, road cyclist because that was like kind of the epitome of what I thought in my mind was like, yeah, if you're if you can make it on the road, then you know that's that's it. Um, because I was a music major, and due to a, ironically a bike accident, I couldn't finish that major and. Um, there have been some like things in my life that I could pick up pretty quickly, but never kind of saw all the way through cycling was the first thing that I was like, man, I, I could really see myself doing this for a long time and, and really wanting to put in the effort to, to be good at this. And how cool would it be to like either tell my kids or have the story of like, yeah, I got to ride my bike for my job for an X amount of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that kind of like was the, the impetus and driver for, for me to like, I mean, obviously sacrifice a lot and, and really 
dedicate myself 115% into trying to like, just to make it happen. You know, for a time you were all, you had, and I might be getting my timelines all, all wonky, but you moved up to kind of the new England area for, for a little bit. If I recall. Yeah. So, so I was, I was bouncing around the mid Atlantic trying to do the pro road thing. Um, and then at the end of every season, cyclocross called <laughs> and so i would i would just try to like okay well i'll do a couple races and just kind of ride out my fitness and then you know oh, it's middle of october time to start doing my base training because everything is pointed towards road i had some decent success on the road like was able to go top 15 overall at some nrc races um and then getting the you top. Some, uh, sorry, I was about to say you had some like pretty, pretty, pretty cool podium shot because you got a, like most combative at the Air Force mm-hmm. uh, Classic like a couple mm-hmm. years running, I think, right? And yep. yeah, you were you, 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 your, your name was known on the circuit. So <laughs> uh, my the highlight being winning, uh, winning the Killington Stage Race, my first pro one two stage race win uh, on my birthday. Um, awesome. in in the final time trial so uh, <laughs> nice. i was having enough success where i was like yeah it's still worth it to like basically like sleep on couches and yes i was racing at the professional level but it was you know i wasn't really making it um but then i had had a pretty bad injury a knee injury that took me out for a few months and it was like well now that that's better, cyclocross exists, and I guess like I'll go ahead and there's no reason to not race. Um, and so I, I see the 2013, 2014, maybe. Um, just really, I got some support from Bicycle Outfitters uh, in Winchester and Heffler Performance Coaching to try to like just see what happened. Um, and so I was the Maver Series leader for a bit. Um, I was able to travel to some to some uh, UCI races and knocked on the door of the top 10. And then all of a sudden I was like cracking the top 10 and um, managed to get 18th at nationals that year in, in Austin. And I was like, cool, this is, this is combining a lot of really cool things. It's athletically, you know, that, that magic hour, it's all of that technical stuff that I had from mountain biking that, you know, people who don't start on map mountain biking struggle with, like you can't, it's hard to kind of teach that. And then also all the fitness that I built from, you know, a bunch of years training 25 hours a week on the road. Um, and unlike mountain biking where it's kind of a time trial in the woods, it, you're able to like race elbow to elbow and there's, you know, turning and cornering and, and a lot of like in the moment tactics that are, I find super exciting and super engaging. Um, and so like the, the bug was there and then I was like, okay, I'm going to give it one more season on the road and then make a transition into cyclocross, uh, doing that full time because relative, I guess, relative to the, the rest of the body of either road cycling or cyclocross, I was having a much easier time finding success and, through success, like recognition and through recognition, sponsor support, like that was an easier path than continuing down the road cycling uh, route. So as you're 
you know, while you were racing on the road and kind of, as you, as you said, knocking on the door of, you know, some, some pretty impressive national kind of both uh, regional and national level cyclocross competitions. Like, you know, what did, what did your life look like as, as a cyclist, you know, were you working part-time? Were you, you know, were you getting, you know, what, what is that, that Neo pro, um, lifestyle look like you know i assume it's you know you know porsches and oh yeah for sure <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and you a- know inter- international travel right so what, right. what if you don't mind what, what does that look like and what was your struggle um and, and how did you maybe not justify is the wrong word but how did you kind of continue to motivate yourself when it when it comes to uh overcoming some of these hurt just these like life hurdles if you will as, as your um busy a nomad for for lack of a better term yeah well the biggest struggle was finding where to land my helicopter at the races <laughs> being honest. yeah yeah um, yeah uh so at that time um i i was very fortunate to have a supporter in sue heffler the the coach and i was able to live with her um as i was coming out of my knee injury and kind of moving into like really finding some success um and that allowed me to like lay down a good foundation. And then I started working at a bike shop uh, like 30 hours a week because I kind of ran out of <laughs> ran out of money. Um, so I did that for like five or six months just to kind of give myself some, uh, some buffer and some support to kind of get into transitioning out of road cycling and into cyclocross. And mm-hmm. so around that time I was like, all right, I think I can make this cyclocross thing happen. And so I started uh, developing a team um, and trying to figure out creative ways to, to both have people support my dream and my vision and also be able to ride my bike and more importantly, recover. And so with the cyclocross team, it was trying to figure out the best way to, again, like actualize my dream and and have people be able to support me in a way where at that time I knew my potential and there were people close to me who knew my potential but the world of cyclocross didn't know it yet and so it was harder for me to like reach out and get dollars from from people um and so I got creative and um there's like someone essentially donated a room in their basement to the cyclocross team so that I could live rent free uh, and just live in their basement. And that made a huge difference. And so this team that I created was called Beyond CX. Uh, and so uh, the mission was to try to make an impact beyond just bike racing um, and to try to tell a cool story. And, and what, what, is, does, what does oh, that look like, Ben? Oh, that's what I was going to say. Nice. Twinsies. Did you see how I just softballed that in? <laughs> yes, I did. Deep well, pause. No, yeah. sorry. We're Gonzo journalists. We asked the hard hitting question. <laughs> that was one of those. That was one of those questions. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what did that look like? Well, at at that time, and uh, still controversially, at that time, I was I was. Um, uh, talking about a plant-based lifestyle as part of like just success in athletics and life. And so kind of talking a little bit about that, um, just telling my journey of someone who 
relative to a lot of the people that I was racing, like I was talented, but I wasn't that talented. And so it was just like, if you work hard enough, things will happen. And so I shared kind of like my mental strategies. I talked about meditation that I was doing, like my success journals, like things like that. Like, I guess kind of like life coachy stuff, but um, in a narrative that involved trying to be one of the best cyclists in the country. That's a, that's a small goal. Yeah. I just, <laughs> you know. um, and so that, that team was super cool because I was able to start uh, my relationship with Richie. Um, mm-hmm. And in the beginning, those bikes were infinitely more popular than I was. Um, and so for people who don't know about the Richie Swiss cross, um, it is a steel cyclocross bike. And uh, in the world of carbon bikes that, you know, you can lift with the, with the finger, having a steel, uh, steel cyclocross bike was, a you know, with the exception of the Richard Sachs team, um, was pretty uh, non-existent. So it was really cool to work with them to try to bring that, that bike back to prominence. And you, ha- and you had uh, cantilever brakes on there too. Right? Yes, I did. Classic. Um, classic. <laughs> well, I mean, for the, very technically speaking, uh, the brakes weren't bad. I was riding uh, Paul. I had a Minimoto up front and then the regular mm-hmm. cantilever in the back. Um, nice. And there's two and a half pounds minimum difference in frames weight and so it was like the the benefit that i would get from having the disc brakes does not outweigh ha the the amount of weight (laughs) that it would add to an already heavy bike and so that's why i kind of chose to go go to the cantilever route the uh those swiss crosses like they're they're heavy ish but not as heavy as one may think for a steel for a steel bike especially if you're running a one by drivetrain and literally everyone who picked it up was like oh it's not that bad yeah and, and and for my own mental i never put it on the scale um, <laughs> that's <laughs> but when you when you have a carbon fork you have all richie carbon uh components and carbon uh tubular wheels like yeah there's not you know not a ton wrong with that i i found with that bike because i had a I, i'd still ride that bike um i found that not having slightly less powerful brakes was actually a benefit in cyclocross because it forced you to take a good line and it forced mm-hmm. you to trust your tires. Like it was amazing mm-hmm. how much quicker around a corner you could be because you had to carry speed because you literally could not slow down in some yeah. instances. It was great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, oh well, looks like I'm not going to break. Might as well send it. There we go. Yep, exactly. And, and, and granted, Ben, this is in a, a Cat 4-5 race when I'm battling it out for 25th. So, you know, if it works for me, it definitely worked for you. <laughs> this is before he crashed and bent his frame. So Yeah, right. Well, I mean, brakes just slow you down. So Exactly. Yeah. And, it, and if you're slowing down, you're not winning. Let me tell you. Exactly. <laughs> um, and so that, that, that season was really cool because once I was able to start figuring out how to turn my bike, I was able to do pretty well. Um, and my ultimate goal for the season was to uh, try to make the world's team and go top 10 at nationals. Mm-hmm. Um, I just missed out on top 10 at nationals in Asheville uh, with a 12th, um, though I did have a flat tire part way through the race. So that didn't help. Um, and because of some P 
paperwork issues and just not, not talking to the right people. Um, I just missed out on, on a world's selection because a few people decided not to go. And then the people that were next in line were, uh, were people that I had beat actually at nationals. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was like, cool, I did it. Um, and at Asheville, uh, there was a guy named Chris Mack who approached me and was like, Hey, I really like what you're doing. I like the message of the team and I'd love to be on board next year, uh, with this bike shop that I'm starting. And so that is how beyond CX presented by Ascent Bicycle Studios happened. And because of Chris's investment, um, it allowed me to then move up to the new England area where I would travel every weekend, driving eight hours each direction uh, to really entrench myself in, in, in my opinion, controversially is the best cyclocross scene in the country. Yeah. I, I, I think, well, I mean, that's where all the big pros even now are, are based out of, right? Like, you know, I guess for, formerly Stephen Hyde wasn't uh, wasn't Tim Johnson based out of that area and yep uh, and, Jeremy Duran yep. Anthony Clark um, these guys were powers yeah these guys were all driving two hours max to like their local races were UCI races mm-hmm. um, and so my my goal was to like you know if I can I mean I. <laughs> I really planted myself as close as I could to those guys living in Jeremy's old apartment. Um, <laughs> the idea being like, man, if we can, if we can race on a Wednesday together or even just like ride, like how, how much will our collective level go up? Mm-hmm. So, and I, I, you know, from an, from an outsider's point of view, like I've, I've followed your cycling career you know through through the beyond cx team i I will say i had some interesting so like really positive feedback about your management of the beyond cx team like uh one of my friends uh spanky works for cane creek and he was he was beyond um kind of congratulatory and thankful for your interaction with your sponsors. He was like, Ben does it right. He calls us out all the time. He thanks us. You know, it's, it's a much more of a, a mutually beneficial relationship from a, at least from them, from a, from an awareness standpoint than he had seen even from, from bigger sponsors. So I think they're, they're, you know, once again, not to, not to inflate your ego too much, but there was <laughs> clear, clearly, I mean, you, you as a one person show, with your team, you were getting quite a bit of airtime relative to the Cannondale cyclocross worlds of the, uh, of the national scene by the time. Cause you were, you were very well known at least regionally for in, in, in our, in our circles. Well, so, I mean, I gotta, I gotta thank Bill Shikin for a decent part of that, for putting me on the CX hairs radio. Um, <laughs> not one, but four times total. Uh, <laughs> so shout out to Bill. Um, and like, Ultimately, I, it, it came from me knowing that I'm not Curtis White. I'm not Stephen Hyde. I'm not Jeremy Powers. So I have to bring, like, bring something different to the table. And mm-hmm. me being sponsored or being supported is not an assumption. And so if, like, to all the people who are thinking, <laughs> thinking about starting your own cycling team or, or trying to gain support, like, you need to pr- provide reason for like you need to provide value to the sponsors not the other way around 
you are selling yourself. You are telling them how much value you can add to their program and just, you know, show gratitude and, and nothing. And just don't take it for granted, I guess is like the simplest version. Yeah, no, I think that's that's very fair. And and once again, kind of, I, I'd say an indicative of how you you conduct yourself as a professional even today. So now I I do want to get to to kind of this, this big monolithic event within your cycling career. But um, remind me of when this happened. But you had a a a pretty nasty crash which resulted in a traumatic brain injury. I guess that was what probably twenty fifteen. 2016. 2016. So 2016. Yeah. So it's actually really timely to bring that up. It's like, you, you know, in where in the narrative we are. So I, I had all of the support for this team. I, I was able to like move, uh, move into an apartment and pay for an apartment in, in new England. And throughout that summer, I was working uh, with Adam Meyerson as a coach and seeing bigger numbers than I had ever seen. And, just feeling like, you know, watch out world. Um, Richie had painted some bikes custom for me. Um, mm-hmm. So I was going to be on you know, one of a kind bikes and things were just looking really good. And then two weeks before the season opener, um, I was on a training ride and hit a soft patch of dirt and went over the bars. If, if you guys were there, if anyone was there, it would have been like this hilarious thing. Like, I can't believe this dude just like, It'd be equivalent of like tripping over a smooth linoleum floor. Like I wasn't being mm-hmm. rad. I wasn't being crazy, but just the <laughs> way I fell, um, my helmet hit the ground and just stopped. Um, and so like while the the event specifically around – so it'd be like tripping over a smooth linoleum floor. So like not, not that big of a deal. Uh, so the, the event itself wasn't – a big deal, but the way I hit my head and the, and the following four days later, it became a much bigger deal because like, um, so this was two weeks before the season opener. Uh, again, strongest that I've ever felt super big numbers. Uh, and I was on a training ride uh, in some woods and hit a soft sand section and, and went down. Um, it probably looked hilarious. I, I like sat up, didn't even lose consciousness. And I was like, huh, I hit my head pretty hard, but like, I guess I should probably finish my interval. Um, and so I started riding again. And then within five minutes, I knew something wasn't right. Um, and ended up calling, uh, calling a friend and, and they could barely understand me because my brain wasn't getting the signals to my mouth. Uh, well, so mm-hmm. Yeah. I I rode and I ended up having to ride another 30 minutes out of the trails and kind of like checked on Google and it was like, all right, well, dark room, no screens. And there was no doubt in my mind that I'd feel better the next day. And I didn't. And I was like, huh, I, I don't remember it being this hard to go get bread and a coffee from the coffee mm-hmm. shop. But um, here we are. And then uh, the, the, the thing that kind of really turned me to the, to the worst was we went, I uh, went out to, uh, to get food from Whole Foods and the, the road was super, super bumpy. And the next day I just like went way downhill, 
super symptomatic, um, not, you know, cognitively not there, really struggling with any sort of sensory input. And um, yeah, that's kind of when it all, all took that downward turn. So I, with your, with your TBI, so, so your, your concussion, I mean, what was that recovery period like for you? What did that, um, you know, what, what was your perspective on your cycling career at that point in time? So it, it was a, it was a long, long path to acceptance, I think is what it all comes down to. Cause for the, like, even in, so that was in August, even into like coming into October, like I could barely make myself breakfast without like needing a nap after. And I was like, I could probably like still come around for nationals. Like, you know, just that unwillingness to give up on all of the hard work and the dream. But clearly there was like no way it was going to actualize. And so it's, I'm going to try to like condense two years into into a, a you know we don't have a ton of time on the podcast but like the the long version is I had to I, I started going to um to different uh cognitive therapies and speech therapies and physical therapies mm-hmm. um I had a really awesome support network of of friends who I didn't know before the accident who weren't in the pro cycling world but mm-hmm. totally like they there were weekend warriors and people who just left bikes and they totally rallied around me and lifted me up and allowed me to, to get the help I needed. Cause I was in Massachusetts and because of my job there, I was on like the state funded healthcare. And so I couldn't actually leave Massachusetts and still get healthcare. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I couldn't come home to Virginia to stay with friends and family um, cause like I said, I couldn't get the healthcare. And so I was very stranded. Uh, and at that time for the first four months, like I would say 90% of my time was spent in a dark room with like blackout shades and just trying to re- recover from whatever like meal. I just had to like think about how to cook. Um, mm. it's really hard to describe just the, how how much it broke me down to like very basics, like remembering how to make coffee and just the mental tax that it took to like, remember like, okay, you got to put 15 grams of coffee in the grinder and then Mm. you got to put the water, you know, it was, it's, it's, it's a little crazy even to talk about now how like how simplified my life got, but it was really, uh, really challenging time um but eventually uh i mean so you said how did how it affected my cycling career um in the first year i was like i'll never ride a bike again like nothing Mm -hmm. is worth nothing is worth feeling how i do now like nothing is worth risking this um just because i was completely yeah it was just shell like kind of a shell of my former self so uh then a friend encouraged me to to try to go for a ride and there was a lot of obviously mixed feelings about that but i went for a ride and it was okay and kind of again condensing a lot like 
seven months later, I was riding, uh, riding again, but not racing because, you know, more risk there. And, Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, so it's just a, it's a super interesting thing to try to like wrap my head around because of the risks involved, because of everybody like think about why I rode bikes, why I raced, um, a lot of, a lot of like needing to try to make good on investments that I made in myself for so long. But I also like, I was, I was in, you know, not really active in the way that I was for like months. Um, and so it just is, I got, you know, I had sponsors that I wanted to try to like make good on and yeah, it was just a really weird, weird spot to be. Um, and so then me being the entrepreneurial self that I was, and also just wanting to like have impact and reach out to people. I started to, to like through riding through different rides, try to share my story of brain injury recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I did that through thanks to Bill again, putting me on his podcast and sharing a photo project that I did, um, called the slow life. Um, I, I did some rides and did some work through Richie to try to like talk to people. And no, I was going to say, like, I think that, that, that's a, that's an interesting, not, not, sorry. Interesting is the most overused vocabulary word in the world. And I apologize, but I think that's a, that's an interesting fact, Adam. (laughs) (laughs) It's such a, it's such a journey. It's such a journey that you've been through Ben. And I, I, you know, once again, not to, not to kind of, you know, be too, you know, gushy gushy, but like, you know, you, the bravery, bravery that you've shown by, you know, getting back on the bike and like really driving towards being, you know, a pro cyclist yet again, even after I would assume there's a lot of doubt and, you know, perhaps a little yeah. bit of anxiety around, you know, riding your bike as, as your profession. Um, what, you know, the, you know, s- since then, obviously you've moved, um, mm-hmm. like what, what did that, what is that, what did that road look like, um, from kind of accepting your, your, tra- your traumatic brain injury? Um, you know, I think it, it, if I'm wrong, didn't, did you have an article in a pretty major cycling, mat- uh, publication? Was it Peloton or bicycling or something along those lines? Uh, cycling tips. Cycling tips. That's right. Yeah. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and they, yeah, I think you got a, a a lot of press from that as well. But like, what what put you back on the road, and how did you r- rectify that path going forward? So like, did you pick up right where you left off? Did you um, kind of, you know, you know, where where are you now in your cycling career, and what do you want to go? Where do you want to go from 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 here on out? Well, so I, I'm gonna. There's like three three questions. Yes, um, that, that's how I ask questions. <laughs> sweet. The, the first part being, I lived I lived so much of my life in the public, and, and I, I, that sounds super like like I I was a celebrity, but like I really, as part of the brand that you have to build to get the support, I was very much putting out the Ben Frederick brand, and I mm-hmm. had to let that go completely. Cause I even was trying to hold onto that brand to the brain injury and it just became too much um, because I was setting expectations for myself. And then through that other people were expecting things that I couldn't deliver on. So I couldn't mm-hmm. like my timeline that I wanted and that I was presenting was not the timeline that it actually took. Right. So I quit the internet, um, took, took a good like four months away from everything and, and when I started to ride again, um, 
then race again, it was at local races and there was no posting about it. And the only people that knew that I was racing were the people that were there. Um, and so there was a lot of like getting my legs back under me. I think the best I did that year was 11th at a UCR race. Mm -hmm. Um, but doing, doing decently, like in some of the more local races. Um, and I was really enjoying actually, uh, racing single speed, um, uh, at the, at the beginning of the season. So just trying to like reframe what I wanted, what I was doing, and also just really investing in this new, uh, new community that, that I, that helped like basically bring me back to life because when you're a professional cyclist traveling, you know, eight to 10 to plane rides away, you're dropping into a cyclocross scene for 48 hours and then you're gone and then you might see him mm -hmm. next year. Um, and so it, it is, you are kind of an island in that. And so it was really cool to spend the better part of two seasons just living and growing in that cyclocross scene. And so I found most of my joy, not from the actual racing, but from like the hangouts before and after, because there wasn't the expectation to win or to have it be a building block of anything beyond that day. So I was like, yeah, I'll have a beer after. Yeah. Let's go out <laughs> to dinner. Like yeah. let's like, I don't need to war Like I don't need to get on the rollers and cool down. Like let, let me like BS about my race to people. Mm -hmm. Um, and that, that freedom to just exist actually, you know, took the pressure off and I, I, and every single race that I did, it was just like, it only mattered to itself. And in the broad scheme of things, it didn't matter because mm -hmm. I had a job outside of writing. I had friends outside of writing and no matter how I did or didn't do, it didn't matter. Cause I had a really, I had a life that I was pretty proud of. Sure. Um, and so yeah. that that kind of led into uh, my season the following year where I got to, I got to do a lot of road racing during the summer and doing some crits and then um, which led into the cyclocross season. And again, it was just like, I'm just having fun. Uh, I'm racing single speed a lot and each day is just going to be its own day. Um, because again, like I had, I had a job that I was working the pressure to perform wasn't there. And so I was just having fun. Like I was just racing my bike and having fun. And I started doing really well. And ironically enough, training half the time, working a job where I was on my feet eight hours a day when I was working, um, I, had, I had three UCI podiums, which was two more than I had ever had in any season ever. Mm -hmm. And I ended, I ended last season uh, with a third at single speed nationals and ranked 123rd in the world, which anything in the top 150, that was like my whole goal. My, you know, the first year of beyond CX was to try to be in that top 150. And I like easily shattered that season. Right. Um, hmm. And so, and I, you know, ironically, a lot of it was on, on the, the equipment that I had gotten three years previous for beyond CX. And mm -hmm. so, you know, I was on Altegra 6,800 with wolf tooth one by, uh, on cannies. Um, <laughs> only last Adam's year. Adam's favorite. I know only last year. Right. So it's like, Oh, this is, this is something that like 
if I frame it, if I keep framing it for it to be fun, um, mm. it'll be, I'll have a lot of success and trying to balance that fun with like, okay, wanting to perform at a level that I know I could with maybe shifting some different things, you know, where does that look going forward? And so the answer sure. is, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's uh there, there's a beauty in that, right. As far as almost, you know, rediscovering your love of why you started this in the first place, you know, going back to, you know, just bombing around campus and yeah, starting a mountain bike race because it sounded like a fun thing to do, you know, that as opposed to it being your job and your soul. And this may be a little bit extreme, but like your sole source of livelihood, as far as your identification as a top tier cyclocross racer, it seems well, like it, you've, you've, you've come to that in a roundabout way by enjoying what you're doing regardless. Yeah. And it, it was inter- like, you know, people would ask me, you know, before brain injury, when I was like pro minded and doing all that, like, how was your day? And I'd lead with, well, I didn't have a great workout. And that was like, mm. that defined everything. How good my mm-hmm. workout was, you know, uh, a success at a race only mattered in that it was a step closer to what I thought was possible as opposed to just like, yeah, that was really cool. Sure. Do you guys want to go, like, where do we want to eat tonight? Because like, you know, if I got like, you know, I started getting top tens, it's like, okay, well, now I got to get top five. Then I get a top five. It's like, okay, cool. Well, now I got to get a podium and cool, I got that podium, like, when am I going to win one of these? As opposed to just, like, yeah, it was a really fun race. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So, well, go ahead. And that's kind of what we've talked about in the cycling episodes we've had. I would be remiss to not mention that we also had a gravel cycling episode with our good friend Jeff, um, mm-hmm. where we talked about passion for mountain biking and passion for gravel riding. And, like, the you talking about this stage of your cycling career is it's kind of the community behind it. And you were certainly in the community and knew great people in the community, but allowing you to almost be a different part of the community rather than having to be, Oh, there's, you know, there's Ben, he's going to podium or going to try to podium this race is, Oh, there's Ben, he's racing single speed right now. Like, Oh shit. Like that's awesome. You know? Um, and you know, kind of taking that, if I may be a little cheesy, um, taking (laughs) the idea of that beyond CX team ethos to kind of the community that you kind of discovered and became a different part of, because I mean, you were already kind of a bigger part of it or a big part of it when you were earlier in your career, but kind of becoming a different part of it um, more recently. That's kind of still taking that message and that ethos that you wanted to have with beyond CX and taking it to heart. It sounds like to me, that's very, very good job. Very succinct. Yes. And, uh, I couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> yeah. And so it's, so going back to the passionate part of this whole thing, you know, a couple of years into trying to be a professional cyclist and then being one and, there's a, there's an element of like, I'm on this treadmill. This is what I kind of committed to. And I kind of got to see it through whether or not I'm actually having fun or I actually like this. Like there was definitely days, um, on both sides of the spectrum where it's like, yeah, man, today was awesome. Um, but then there was plenty of days where you're like, well, I'm just doing this thing because I said I would, and I'm on this treadmill. Um, Mm -hmm. 
And so the passion part of it is a little bit different. Uh, and then when I ended up losing, you know, losing bikes, I mean, losing almost everything that kind of defined me as a person, including the ability to even like hold a conversation for more than five minutes without getting a headache and super symptomatic. Um, I really had to reevaluate or even evaluate what bikes meant and what, you know, what, what, yeah, what bikes meant. And so initially I was like, Oh yeah, you know, if I can't race, then maybe I'll just like go for bike rides. Cause I really like to go for bike rides. And I was like, right. then, then that I figured out that that actually didn't do it for me. And then once it made sense for me to start racing again, um, again, like for anyone who's going through a brain injury, like everyone is different. My path and my recovery it was about two and a half years after my brain injury before I could race again. So, you know, 15 minutes of conversation is actually like a broad two and a half years when it made sense for me to start racing again. Um, I needed to know, like, I didn't stop racing because I wanted to. I stopped because I had a brain injury. So let me race again so that I can either know that I don't like it anymore or it's not mm-hmm. for me or not. And so what I found through that is like, I am passionate about racing my bike and, and everything that kind of goes around that, um, whatever is going to allow me to play with my friends in a bike race. Like that's what all this stuff on the outside does. Um, and so like a little bit different since I moved to Colorado because Colorado is gorgeous and we have these massive climbs and whatever, (laughs) but you know, it was like, you know, I'm, I'm riding as little as I can to get the ticket to be able to play in the race. Because for me, racing is, it's the, the way that I feel most in the moment in a way that like no other thing right now can do for me where it's, Mm -hmm. you got 60 minutes and there's only the next turn. Um, And it's just something that's like, I don't know. It feeds my soul. And so that, that, um, discovery really allowed me to be passionate about the racing part of bikes. And then, so then I could go to the races, but then I got to like, it wasn't about being passionate about winning. It wasn't being passionate about beating someone. It wasn't being passionate about like results. It was literally pinning on a number and going between the tape. And so all the other stuff that came around, it was, you know, just bonus, like hanging out with friends and, and obviously I wanted to do well, but that, that wasn't the reason that I showed up. Right. And so it gave me that much more margin and freedom to like, like at, uh, what was it? Um, really rad cyclocross race or one one of the UCI races this year, like what did the race? Oh, it was MBX, uh, did the race, got on the podium, went out to Indian food with friends went roller skating until like 10 30 PM and then got up the next day and did it again and got fifth and then went out, you know, with more friends and in pro years, I would have killed for that result. And I would have like monk secluded myself into my you know hotel room to make sure that I got the blog done to make sure that the footage was right to make sure that I talked to all the sponsors and, you know, kept people informed. Uh, with all of that stress and I still wouldn't have gotten the same results that I got. So it's an interesting thing. Yeah. That that's a fascinating dichotomy. It's, 
it's almost like, and, 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 you know, maybe, you know, you know, maybe in year, you know, in, in your later years, you can, you can reflect back on, on kind of what your cycling career has been from a psychological standpoint. And, mm-hmm. and, and this, this going back to you, Ben, you know, this like r- much more rounded vision of what a pro cyclist can be, uh, where, you know, you seem very happy and you're very con- Maybe content maybe isn't the right word, but you see you're, you're just as driven as you were beforehand, but for different reasons. Is that accurate? And yeah, I'd say so. It's a, it's a different, different, right. Yeah. Driven as before that said, okay. That said, I've been able to focus the drive and condense it so that when it's time to have the drive, I really go for it. But I also really focus on like, letting go like when i when i unkit it's like mm-hmm. okay that part of my day is done as opposed to you know let me put my feet up let me do my stretching let me do my core let me you know just focus let me just actualize all of the recovery and all of my muscle tissue fitting you know itself back to get like you know like letting it be totally fine to go for a run go for a hike yeah. go for a right. roller skate ski whatever not make it this completely all consuming monastic life. Mm-hmm. So this is uh you know, when, whenever you're not, whenever you're riding your bike, Ben, and you're not racing, what's your favorite ride currently? Mountain bike, road bike, hmm. gravel bike. What do you like to do? It honestly changes for the day. <laughs> and I'll be real. It depends on what I have coming up. Um, because I kind of break things down into like weekly segments. So like if I have a race coming up, I might be in the mindset of like, yeah, well, I'm going to go rip some, like rip some turns in a field. And that actually like fills my soul. It's not like this. I need to do this. It's like, this is what I want to do. But if I have the opportunity, like I've, I've been able to do some really awesome mountain bike rides from here, huge climb, like, it's basically like, let me ride 7,000 feet of vertical just to go get lunch and, <laughs> uh, and ride some trails on my mountain bike from the house. And like, that is something that's like super awesome. But on, I guess like the most common ride that I'll do is, is on on my gravel bike or cyclocross bike um, and whatever ride I do includes some really awesome dirt roads or some dirt trails. And it's rare that a ride happens without some sort of dirt. Mm-hmm. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Oh yeah. 7,000, 7,000 feet of vert. We can definitely get that here in the Raleigh Durham area. Right, Daniel? <laughs> yeah. Like 15 <laughs> miles is all it takes, you know, it's yeah. easy. Maybe even a mile, like it just goes straight up vertically from our houses. <laughs> if That's what uh, the helicopter's for, right? Right. Yeah. Exactly. We're actually yeah. in a pit. Uh, can I, somebody let us out of this hole that we're living in? I, I uh, no, I, I just hella drop. And so I've, I've dedicated my life to just going downhill from here on out. So I just hella <laughs> drop to the top of the local, uh, top of the local mountain and then, uh, uh, shred down be, be it on skis or on a bike. So I was going to say Adam's Adam straps skis to his, uh, bike wheels. And then nice. right as he lands, he rips them <laughs> off and Yep. Everybody's super impressed. <laughs> oh yeah. 
very much. Um, so very uh, nice. I also realized I didn't answer the third part of the question of where where do things go from here? Yeah. Not to like date the podcast, but like, you know, COVID is real. And so that has kind of thrown a, a wrench into a lot of people's plans. But my, I guess my goals leading into the season before COVID were I really wanted to win single speed national championship. I got very close last year uh, in the lead and my shoe literally broke to the point where I couldn't <laughs> clip in and um I didn't tell anyone really, but like my goal was to go into that race and win. Hmm. Uh, and so I, I missed it because of a mechanical issue, not a physical issue. And so I really wanted to do that again uh, and have success, not to like have success mean a spot on a box. And that's, you know, that was a goal. Hmm. Um, and, and just kind of like, I think my a goal for previous Ben was would have been to do a World Cup, and so I, I really had a big focus on trying to be fast for the World Cups in the U.S. to try to like, you know, tick that box with you know needing zero success at the World Cup, but just like lining up and being like, "Holy shit, I'm at I'm here lined up for a World Cup." Um, so, Vanderpool just lapped me. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Like, I, my biggest goal was to get lapped by Vanderpool, right? <laughs> um, and so, like, you know, maybe maybe we push those, you know, push those off another year, and um, who knows? But the the goal that I have is to try to keep bikes fun and to keep enjoy keep enjoying racing, um, something that's different that would have been different this year is I have a coach um, last year and the year before when I was making the comeback, it was completely self-coached and completely like doing the bare minimum that I could to, to try to go play on the weekends. And so mm. um, adding a coach into the structure is going to be really exciting. Um, and just, yeah, kind of seeing all, a lot of it really just depends on, the state of the world and the state of the country, whether, you know, racing happens and to what level and um, what it all looks like. Next year. Whether or not our Republic falls. So, you know, small things like that. Right? I didn't want to go there. I did not. <laughs> yeah, what the there. hell, Adam? <laughs> sorry. Sorry. <laughs> um, I, I know. That big, an escape big... for people. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, ben, that's, that's awesome. Um, and obviously Daniel and I, or at least I do, I don't, I can't speak for Daniel, but, uh, you know, we, we wish you, uh, the best of skill and, thank you. you know, it's, it's awesome that you're, well, for, and, and also, also just, first of all, thank you for coming on the podcast and, and, oh, yeah, thanks for having and me. Tell, telling your story. Um, and you know, we, like I said, it's been really, really fascinating seeing your, your growth throughout the cycling world. And I fully expect that we will continue to see that growth. And, uh, you know, when, when you do, when, when you're, you know, elbow to elbow with Vanderpool, just remember us little people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for right? sure. And All right. Ben, here's, here's what I'm going to say, Ben. Uh, I'll see you at single speed nationals next year. All right. Buddy boy. <laughs> Adam wishes you all the best, but oh man, you've inspired me. I'm a pro cyclist now. <laughs> uh, no, but yeah, seriously, to echo Adam's point, seriously, thank you so much, Ben, for joining us on this 
silly podcast that we have because um, it was really fascinating and interesting and inspiring and um, everything to hear your story about cycling. Yeah. So cool. Thanks uh, everyone for listening. And if you've made it this far, you are the true winners. <laughs> <laughs> we need to send out little uh, badges to people who finish an episode of passion fruits podcast. <laughs> you survived. Congratulations. <laughs> it's not because of the guests. It's just because of me and Adam that um, they may not finish a, an episode. Yeah. Um, awesome. Man. Well, Hey, uh, so we do a, you know, for, I guess first and foremost, Ben, you know, is there anything you, anything else you want to plug? Uh, do you want to give out your social, you're, you're welcome to, you don't have to, if you want to give out your social media handles or the social or the handles of your sponsors or of your team, is there anything that you want to highlight or anything that you, that we did not cover that you'd like to mention? Uh, really cool. I mean, this is, this is both a sponsored plug and uh, just something that like, my homies at or not cycling they're a clothing company um they've been super super supportive through the whole journey and keeping things super low pressure and also again just need to reflect uh and reiterate how awesome richie has been through the whole process as well even though i'm not riding their bikes as a sponsored rider um they are my forever bikes and i am forever grateful for them so if it's a stem if it's a super awesome steel uh, steel bike um, forever grateful to those guys and just the final message of like you know be passionate and also keep it fun and the my journey was it is and was a very challenging journey and at the end of it zoomed out it all looks pretty good but if you are you know struggling with something really hard just keep holding on and know that hard things are hard but it does, it does get better eventually. Nice. And we'll provide links to uh, Ben's sponsors and uh, maybe some articles that Ben has written and information from uh, past years about Ben and his racing and everything so everybody can get a clear picture of who this cool guy we're talking with today. Yeah, just uh, check out the show notes down below. And if you click here. Yeah. You can subscribe and then smash like, that like button. I was going to say, like and, oh shit, there it is. Like and subscribe, you know. Ben, ben does about. a better job at this than we do. We, uh, we may. I, I mean, I listen to a lot of podcasts. <laughs> So awesome, man. Well, hey, uh, you're welcome to stick around, Ben. Um, D- Daniel and I usually go through a quick ending session where we recommend stuff to each other. Um, sure. You know, uh, you know, music. Movies, books, that kind of thing. So, am, um, am I allowed to be involved in this? You are absolutely yeah. allowed to be involved in this. We, we didn't want to put any pressure on it because generally people go, uh, I don't know what I want to recommend. Um, oh, I've got so many. Re- God, welcome <laughs> to the Ben Frederick podcast where I recommend things to my friends, Adam and Daniel. <laughs> We're ready for it. <laughs> yes. There we go. Um, Daniel, do you have anything to, to recommend to, to myself today? Um, here we go. Adam's going to kick it off. Adam's yeah, going okay, to kick it off. I'll Get kick it off. So there are actually two, uh, two music music recommendations, that, and they come from slightly opposite ends of the spectrum. The first is uh, the band Royal Blood has a new Ooh. single out called Troubles Coming, and it's really good. And for those who don't know what Royal Blood is, it's a duo, but it's this uh, the it's a bass 
guitar and a drummer and the bassist basically heavily distorts his bass so it sounds like an electric a standard electric guitar it's crazy it sounds like a five-piece band when it's two people um so they have a new yeah they have a new single out called troubles coming i've been super jamming to that and then the other one was uh the artist her h-e-h-e-r was on saturday night live a few weekends ago and her new single hold on is fantastic and so i would highly recommend that as well Nice. I'm gonna follow. I'm gonna follow up with so, also two music recommendations. Go for um, it. Uh, Kinship, K-I-N-N-S-H-I-P, is a band that has recently come on my Discover Weekly, and went down the rabbit hole of clicking on them. And they, I don't know much about them other than they have a really cool vibe and a really good kind of like background chill music. Um, mm-hmm. Depending on your mood, it, it is a little sad boy, but and the other, <laughs> if you're feeling okay about it, it's also it's also really good. And then uh, completely um, to separate from that is the I, I'm finally getting around to Tyler the Creator uh, Flower Boy album. Um, nice. I listened to a really cool podcast called Dissect, where they do long form musical analysis, and it really opened up that whole album to me and and Tyler's journey. Uh, that he takes through that album. And yes, so those are my two music recommendations. Awesome. Thank you. Not to talk about a podcast that's way more popular than ours, but the Dissect series on Kanye West, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, is like one of my favorite seasons of a podcast. It is so good. Um, So check out Dissect if you haven't listened to Dissect before. Um, I will continue with a musical recommendation um, <laughs> so I know how much Adam loves doom metal and really like slow metal that I've suggested before. <laughs> hey, um, I, I really liked Aether Realm. So, you know. Yeah. Um, there's a great doom metal sludge metal band called Paul Bearer. Um, they just came out with a new album called Forgotten Days that is like really, really good. Um, I was jamming out to it today. Um their previous albums, like their first album, uh, Sorrow and Extinction, is like true, just slow doom metal, like 60 beats per minute, um, monolithic guitar riffs that just continue for minutes. This album, Forgotten Days, is a little more, um, is faster. They get to maybe 100 beats per minute for a couple of their songs, uh, but it is really good. I was really enjoying it earlier today um so yes check out paul bearers forgotten days so you're saying it's like slayer right (laughs) (laughs) yes totally (laughs) is that like metallica (laughs) everything's like metallica (laughs) everything is enter sand and metallica's enter sand man well ben once again thank you so much for joining us uh daniel daniel you want to you want to lead us out sure um, we are on all social medias, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Passion Fruits Podcast is where you can usually find us. We have a blog. All the Insta- or all the social medias will be posting the show notes, just like Ben said. Like and subscribe. Actually, in all seriousness, <laughs> tell your friends. Um, leave a review. Tell your grandma this is a, the episode to listen to um, <laughs> if she wants to get into cyclocross. Um <laughs> And yeah, thanks everybody. And thanks, Ben. My pleasure. Take care, guys. Bye.
Thanks again to Ben. Uh, it was a really great episode. I'm sure everybody loved it. Again, the code to get 20% off or not cycling clothing is benfred20 at ornotbike.com. Benfred20 at ornotbike.com.